0: Good evening, you're listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today once again is our friend, freelance writer, Rowan Kaiser. Hello. And we also welcome back, former of the escapist, now freelance writer and strategy critic, Jonathan Bolding. Hi, everybody. So, today we're going to be taking a look at Battlefleet Gothic Armada, uh, a new 40k naval warfare-themed uh, RTS from Tindalos Interactive. John, I wanted to start with you a little bit because I think you're a little... You're probably the most familiar uh, with Games Workshop's tabletop offerings out of any of us here on the show. And, uh, like, I'm curious, what is... You know, everybody knows the 40K tabletop game. What is it? what is Battlefleet Gothic Armada uh, building off of? And, and what are sort of the key features that you, you think would a game would have to capture uh, in order to be a decent adaptation of this theme to uh, PC games?
1: So, uh as a little bit of background for me, Battlefleet Gothic was actually the very first tabletop miniatures game that I collected and played. Um, and that was way back when they launched the line and it, I would have had to have been 2003 or 2004. Um, and it was a relatively short lived game. Um, as are most of games workshops, specialty games, but it's still in theory supported with the, you can download the back rules and things like that for free. Um, so for me, I was very excited about this. Uh, it was a, I did. I had no idea at the time what a naval miniatures game was. I didn't know that that's what I was playing. I was like, fucking cool, there's spaceships. Um, and much of the tactics of that game were actually sort of riffs on classic naval tactics. Um, it's mm-hmm. a lot like playing an Age of Sail game in that it's about broadsides and um, boarding, sometimes ramming. Um, but all of that with that science fiction veneer um and so pretty precisely it had a very interesting time and place like it was set during i don't know the fourth gothic war or what have you in the 40k timeline and so it was pseudo historical it was like these are the classes of ships that were available to these people at the time and (laughs) okay these are the uh Kinds of engagements which would happen, and this is sort of the meta plot. Like we're trying to conquer and defend these fortresses.
0: It was like a period piece, even within the fiction of Forty K.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's
0: Um, interesting,
1: and that's a an absolutely bizarre thing, I think. Um, but it's a cool conceit. Um, and so to me, for this to be a faithful adaptation, it had to have the it had to have the ships, right? It had to have those exact ships that that battlefleet gothic the tabletop game had um and it had to have those interesting and distinctive mechanics um where certain factions behaved in certain ways um and i say that because in the tabletop uh, edition each faction of ships sort of had to deal with one interesting thing that you had to deal with in an actual age of sail minis game um so like the imperials faction had to deal with getting a good broadside um and the, the chaos faction only wanted to close to boarding range when it was to their advantage. Um, the, the Eldar faction, which is sort of the space elves, had to deal with windage. Um, and so I think it's interesting for
0: that. Yeah. Wow. I had no idea that they'd, they'd sort of carved up Age of Sable mechanics that way. That's a novel approach.
1: It's a, it was totally bizarre, and I think that's one of the reasons the game eventually uh, went the way of the Dodo, but sort of kept its beloved and small uh, following. Uh,
0: so, Rowan, I believe you reviewed this one for, for IGN, correct? Yes. We talked on the show, you know, in the past, and, and repeatedly, and sometimes at great length, about the issues that pop up when you're trying to make a naval warfare game uh, interesting. And... I'm curious what what you made of of Battlefleet Gothic Armada because to an extent it's almost like you know settled policy on this show that like naval tactics kind of suck and it's, it's <laughs> hard to make that interesting. Uh, did did the uh, Battlefleet Gothic kind of solve that problem?
2: It solved like everything around that, but the core issue that I have with the game is that I don't really get the tactics. Like it's it it's just too um, too vague for me to actually read and understand what's happening. It looks really cool. All the ships are firing their lances and their broadsides and there's all kinds of things happening that I can press buttons and make more things happen and uh, that's all really cool, but I just don't... The the core sort of underlying tactical thing, I don't feel like I have that much agency. So I don't think that this this solved that, that much at all. Um, I got interested in this game because someone said it was the best Babylon 5 space combat simulator, and that's kind of my jam. So uh, if that's sort of there, and apparently the way that the lance weapons work in the game was deliberately inspired by Babylon 5's uh, shadow weapons. But um, yeah, I, I just like kind of bounced off this basic, how do you get good at this game? Mm-hmm. And that it could be because it's just, like, it's pretty much automated. When you, like, get into it, you pick what your target is, and then your ships kind of go around them in circles until somebody wins or not.
1: It, it really is so opaque. Uh, shockingly so. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I'll admit,
0: like, I still feel like I am struggling mightily to, to come to grips with this game. Because, yeah, here's... I think I think Rowan, you just described like a lot of the way Age of Sail war games have ended for me as well, right? Where like two ships end up basically doing a series of figure eights uh, as they just go like trade broadsides, uh, trying to get around to each other's stern and that really they can't, right? Unless there's a massive disparity between them or one's heavily damaged. Like, they will just circle and circle and circle uh, until somebody finally is dead or, or strikes. And I, I will admit, I have seen that dynamic uh, unfold uh, more than a few times in this game. Um, and it does sometimes seem like... I think, like, for me, playing Battlefield Gothic Armada, I feel like it is deceptively automated, Uh, where one you can sort of set your ship's targeting priorities and you know, sort of set a course and kind of let them be right, and and they'll do a bunch of stuff. And you'll watch like shields uh fall and health bars come down, but you can just sort of like leave it alone. And it's not always clear what you should like, at least to me, right? It's not always clear what I'm exactly supposed to be doing as like space admiral in this situation cuz like well everyone's everyone's shooting at their effective range uh so I guess you know good on you guys uh, keep doing that and my role seems to be to maybe pop um like at will powers uh to sort of give well-timed bonuses or or stuff like that or maybe execute an emergency maneuver um but what, what I'm starting to realize, though, is even though it, the game will, will kind of play itself if you let it, that doesn't seem to bring you success, right? And the struggle I'm having is, like, knowing which intervention I should be <laughs> making. Because like clearly, like clearly, if I just sort of let the game play itself, my fleet loses. Like, and it's not not a 50-50 shot. Like, even in evenly matched situations, uh, that fleet's going to lose. So I need to be in there doing something and and micromanaging something. I'm not always clear uh, what I should be doing to sort of win the battle on a tactical level, aside from, you know, hard to port, fire torpedoes, and pray.
2: Yeah, the torpedoes seem to be, like, the main thing that... Uh, if you're playing the campaign especially because you're playing the imperials that's like your main all right i need to micromanage my uh my hard turn and get those lined up and just launch a broadside right into the enemy that's like the thing that i've noticed brings me the most potential for success um playing as the orcs in the sort of faux campaign or uh the multiplayer mode uh like their thing is you line up your ships and try to ram like that's a pretty clear thing and that's kind of uh kind of a direct way to engage so they were my favorite faction that I played but uh yeah other than that it seems like here are a bunch of little buttons and you just hopefully press them at the right times and you win
0: John help us out here like uh, like how how do we admiral
1: I can't I can't say you're wrong um the game does a a shockingly bad job of teaching you how to play the game. Um, Even for something that it has a tutorial in the Vegas sense, right? Like every campaign starts with these weird tutorial missions. Yeah. Good job on moving that camera. Yeah. move the camera. The emperor Um, is pleased. Right. Uh, But it's actually funny to me. I feel like one of the reasons this game does so bad at teaching you how to play the game is because you start with the smallest, fastest, uh, trashiest ships, right um, so instead of this sense of scale, you just are like, "Oh well, I guess my ships are made of paper, and I lose yeah um, well, the second mission, the second
0: mission of the campaign um, is evenly matched except for this giant orc like dreadnought or battle wagon or something that like if it lines up and burns into one of your ships, uh it it, it ruins stuff like it's it, gone. It, and by the way, this is such a good looking game. This is such an <laughs> exquisitely explosive, violent looking game. Like when an orc cruiser just goes full burn and catches like a smaller ship, like squarely in the midsection. I mean the results are just glorious catastrophe, right? It's like yeah. it's like one of those awful like Russian dash cam videos, right? Of just like cars <laughs> getting like imploded or something. Like it's just it's it's just shocking in its um in its sense of weight, right? And I think credit where it's due, um, not everyone I think successfully brings across the the, the sense of like um ridiculous overpoweredness to forty K weaponry or, or Warhammer type weaponry. Um, but this definitely, like, has a satisfyingly, like, kinetic, meaty, uh, feel to sort of everything that happens, and, like, when these ships are trading body blows, or as they finally start to, like, collapse under the weight of the damage they're taking, it looks pretty damn spectacular.
1: Yeah, none of that, uh, space marines firing boulders in Dawn of War, and it makes these sort of pathetic machine gun noises, right? Um, there's a lot of, uh... One of the most satisfying things in the game is actually the the frontal-mounted Eldar Pulsar weapons. Uh, when they go off, it's just this giant crackling beam of energy, and you can just watch it chew through enemy ships and shields. Um, and it, it also has that huge space game advantage, which is that they're rendering so few things that like the background yes. is going to be beautiful. The ships are going to be wonderful. Even the shitty asteroids are going to look great, right?
0: Right. It's not like Total War where it's like, well, you can have really awesome looking soldiers on something that looks worse than like an AstroTurf table. Yes. Uh, Or, yeah, Um, it's definitely got that. But yeah, so the second mission, right, you've got this you've got this huge orc like battle cruiser, like just pile driving your ships if if you're not careful. And the thing is, you have you have nothing to really to really match it. Right. Because you haven't unlocked uh, you haven't unlocked your heavy ships yet. Right. And so right from the first, I, I do feel you're right. The the game is sort of starting with this puzzle of like, I have no I have no dreadnought class ship, right? I don't have something that can like come in and level a small ship and take it out of the fight quickly. And instead it's sort of this steady accretion of damage that has to happen. It doesn't feel like my ships are really doing anything. Um and I just have to keep kiting, which is actually an interesting tactical problem. And I was really like pleased with myself when I finally like beat that mission. Uh, But damn, it's a hard way to learn a game. And I think maybe that's another tricky part of a lot of naval games. They start you with the lighter ships, which actually require a lot more nuance in how you're handling them. But they're trying to bait you with the idea of like, soon you're going to get the awesome ship, but the awesome ship isn't that It's not that interesting, right? As a thing to use the entire point of like a battleship is like, Oh, it just—it's—it can soak damage and just like blast the crap out of anything, um, and that is something that is easy for a player to handle. Whereas taking on a a battle cruiser with a destroyer uh, requires uh, re- requires some real captaining.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and especially uh, it's weird that they don't even they do start with like a midsize ship, a cruiser or something to sort of anchor your fleet around. Um, I. I think the game starts to actually pick up and become understandable tactically once you push past that point where you're like, okay, I'm going to put a couple cruisers in the field. Um, but even then, they sort of, they leave you to the wolves to figure out how to play this thing. You know, so my
2: main issue with sort of how it presents information is that there's no significant, like, after action report that I can learn from so like i get my cruisers that i have you know they're the same class they have roughly the same guns but i am choosing skills or captain skills or ship upgrades that like um make like, one of them like really suited for close range combat and one of them really suited for like just firing away from long range forever and I have no idea which of those ships did better at the end of a fight. Yeah, Like, I don't know which one took more damage. I don't know which one did more damage. I don't know um, which one got more kills. I don't know anything about what happened other than that I won or I lost. I feel like, like there's an
0: awful trend in this direction of games, like tactical and strategy games, not giving you a breakdown of what just happened. Like, I mean, this is like, you know, when we were playing Ashes of the Singularity, we were all sort of like... You know, on that show we were all talking about, I'm not actually sure which of my compositions were good. Or, like, we were all just sort of in there, like, being like, yeah, that, that feels right. That, that works, because the game sure as hell wouldn't tell you. Um I, I feel like the Total War series is increasingly, like, they used to give you detailed breakdowns of, like, which unit killed how many, blah, blah, blah.
2: And you could sort of stare at that as long as you wanted after a battle. That's still now, there. They, it's it's not quite as detailed it doesn't say like how many troops they lost well it's but, also uh, as the
0: it's also it, it only appears as as you're loading the campaign map back in right
2: right yeah. um I think there's like an after action you you can see it in the when the section for total Warhammer when you're like deciding what to do with the enemies after you've beaten them yeah you although can see a more precise it, breakdown of who killed okay. what okay okay although it doesn't like, okay. show okay. you your although it doesn't show you your allied armies like you can't click over and see those so that's a little annoying right. but th- it is there beyond the loading screen right. right but still i think this is this is sort of um i don't know that this is like a trend currently but it's an issue that strategy games and especially real-time strategy games have had for a while like i don't i don't know at the end of a starcraft game like which of my units were the best like if i wanted to go and research that i'm sure plenty of people would say what compositions are uh most effective for whatever oh, for some but reason yes. i thought starcraft There's... did give
0: you a uh your 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 most efficient unit breakdown i'm i i can not like i i'm not i'm not sure but i feel like i feel like a bunch of rts's do at least tell you like this was
1: this was your unit that killed the most this was your unit that lost right. the most like company Fun of fact. heroes definitely do, d- does that company of heroes like, too has a unit by unit breakdown where you yeah. can see how effective almost every single thing yes. you built was yes yeah. and that's and, and that stuff's useful
0: and I, and I feel like this game really could have benefited from that because like the other thing is to an extent anytime you're dealing with a sci-fi universe uh even one as well known as like uh, 40k it's all kind of BS, like space terminology, right? Right. It's all, it's all kind of jargon. Like you're, you know, you're you're, you're, like, how did your melta bombs do? I don't, I don't really know what a melta bomb means in this context. Right? Like, so tell me what the, (laughs) tell me like how much melta damage I did uh, to that enemy ship so that I can decide whether or not to bring, whether that's an upgrade worth bringing along
1: next time. What what the Uh, hell is a macro battery, right? Yes. Yeah. And and
2: I think that another issue that pops up here is that this is a board game adaptation. So... Absolutely. um, If you are rolling these dice, you can be like, oh, my um, magma cannons or whatever are doing three times more damage when the enemy ships are close because it's like you're spending, I don't know, two or three hours on these missions, but in this video game, uh, this fast-paced, real-time video game, the missions are like three to ten minutes long. So all you're seeing is that maybe the health bar goes down a little bit more when you land one of those versus a regular torpedo, or maybe it doesn't. And I, there's no real sense of, uh, precision in the information that's available. It's just whether you're watching the health bars close enough and like, even just some pop-up numbers that would go up would be helpful. But, um, uh, yeah, The an after-action report was the main thing that I wanted, but just anything to give me that idea.
1: And two, in two, truth, I'm not one. sure that the underlying mathematics are complicated enough for that to matter that much. I, I'm not like sure there is that a true a and meaningful issue. difference between a lance and a macro battery in, inside the game's mechanics.
0: Yeah, although the, the, the way the... The two weapons force your ships to move, I think, means... You know what I mean? Like, which actually ended up doing, like, more damage over the course of a round. Because, like, sure. the, the lance has... It packs more of a punch. The question is, the way those ships have to maneuver, did they actually land enough shots that it justified having ships firing from the forward arc rather than having them spin in circles and just, like... You know plinking away with macro batteries that's right. the kind of info i'd love to have uh same with like you know how many rockets were firing how many were brought down by point defense weapons right like is that actually proving to be effective now that i can follow a little more closely i love that the like, like you can see the point defense weapons picking off incoming uh and if you z- sort of zoom in you can absolutely see like how many missiles make it through the screen uh which is again really cool looks awesome uh but again it would be nice to to know like okay so of all the potential damage that like missile firing ships could have done how did we actually do right like did that did that pay off
2: or the boarding party is like they they attack enemy systems but what does that end up meaning overall like it's i never got a good grasp on that um there's stuff like uh apparently the weapons you have the weapons are on each side of the ship obviously so you have the x cannons on one side and x cannons on, or y cannons on the other and the boarding parties can knock those out but i was never able to tell like which side of my ships were taking more damage or which of them had working cannons it was just a number of you have like six working yeah. cannons of 12 yeah. right now and it who knows like maybe it automatically turned your ship around if you had more cannons on one side but there there's something going on there that you know these those little boarding parties are making their moves and i have no idea what what it means
1: i, I think there's interface elements that that tell you where those things are but uh, i looked a long time not for that one truly apparent enough if they're there right yeah
2: and it's uh, not relevant what those things actually mean to, over the course of the game. Well, a lot of times
0: you're just looking for the 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 special, like the status effect, right? Like did yeah. did, did did it? Did I get a crit? Basically, like is something now up with that ship because a boarding action happened. Um, but something I really do like, though, is so if you. Um, the comparison I'll make here is, like, I haven't played the uh, the Armada um, Star Wars game, but I have played, uh, the of course, a ton of X-Wing. But something I like here is that ships, like, occupy space. Like, as you get into the scrum, especially if you've got, like, a fleet that really relies on close-range weapons, here's a case where, like, I did sort of have to be the Admiral. Because if I left my ships to my, their own devices, they would start running afoul of each other. And they would start. Um, it looks to me like they would also start taking friendly fire. Uh, it it looked to me like uh, I know missiles can can do friendly fire, but boy, did it look like uh, when ships were interposed between uh, a friendly broadsides and their target, uh, it sure looked like shots were landing. Uh, but at the very least, you can you can stall your own ships if they sort of run into each other and they kind of just park in space uh, until they can sort of get disengaged and and not not ram each other um and so something i like sort of had to really pay attention to was like i'd have to think about how one ship's maneuver would interact with the rest of the ships in the squadron right like am i at, like if yeah. i if i make the slow like if i make the slow left turn to cut across this guy's bows and and let him have it, uh, is that going to give that light cruiser up ahead enough time to get clear and cut around to the guy's port side? Right, like it, like, or is there going to be collision and the entire maneuver falls apart? And that was something I I, I did enjoy because it's, this is where the complexity started to come into play for me, uh, w- which was that. In order for that fleet to fight efficiently, I really did need to be thinking about how these guys were moving around the battle space and uh, not interfering with each other, which I thought was pretty cool. And is something that even a lot of like Age of Sail games uh, don't really do that well because so many of them are focused on the management of one ship or two ships that a, a lot of them don't deal with the difficulties of having a bunch of different ships of different classes all in one
1: fight. Absolutely. Um, that is, I think, one of the most satisfying things in this game um, is that as a sort of a fleet scale game, it gives an appropriate and due amount of attention to spacing and maneuvering and the physicality of these ships. Whereas some other like games like Homeworld, for example, um, they're cool, uh, but they don't care as much about precision maneuvering. Um, because they have other things to care about, like resource management. Um,
2: also, they're in three dimensions, and this is only in two dimensions, which absolutely makes it a lot easier to sort of grasp the importance of space within it. And um, I mean, it might not be what space combat would actually look like, because it's only in two dimensions, but it, it has its thing that it's doing, and it is very much about these giant ships right next to one another, trying to, you know, maneuver, and that's cool. Yeah. Um, the
0: the thing I ran into a lot, especially early in the game, was that... Man, ships take a lot of killing in this game. Like, dealing, dealing fatal damage is really, really tough. Like, I found it incredibly hard to actually destroy an enemy ship. Um, and... To the point where I started getting really frustrated because it felt like I would just be hammering at a ship, and its hull wouldn't be getting damaged. Uh, it's it's somehow, Yeah, somehow its shields would end up back up, and I'm like, "How? We've been we've been we've been banging away at that thing for like like five minutes straight with like three different ships, and this thing is only at fifty percent health, and the thing is like barely it is barely going down. Like it is." It, it it is very difficult to do sustained hull damage uh, to a ship in this game, and I found that I, I think it made the fights a little more interesting, and in that um, it sort of has that that good feeling of like uh, pre dreadnought uh, battleship warfare, right? Like when 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 you'd have when you could have ships just sort of fight for hours basically, and and not destroy each other, as opposed to like you know in, in, the, in the age of uh, in the age of the battleship, right? A lot of times, ships would just blow the hell up because they were, they were dealing such massive damage to each other. Uh, so, so here, like, you don't have you don't have the sense that like the first volley of the battle will basically decide its course, uh, which I like. But I also started to get a little bit. I think it it's to that point about it being hard to know if you're doing the right thing or not sometimes it felt like it was taking so much effort to bring down an enemy ship that I was no longer certain exactly, like, what was I missing, right? Like, why was this why was this bastard not dead yet?
2: Well, the, this game exacerbates that issue by having, like, the, there are, like, six or seven different fight modes, um, two or three of which are basically, like, sit in and get into a fight until it's over. But the others are, like, chase down a ship and blow it up before it runs away in three minutes and like that's essentially impossible at the start of the game like it might get a little bit better later but um it's just this incredibly frustrating thing where you spend um two of those three minutes like blasting across the map as quickly as you can then one minute watching your ships have absolutely no chance to take this thing out before it gets away um and there's like a couple like that, there's a data recovery where instead of uh blowing the ship up, you're trying to get a boarding party yep. to successfully Jesus. steal something, yeah. but it's still trying to get all the way across the map and comfortably in that position before a ship jumps out. Absolutely. And, and also uh, get
1: not counterboarded in the meantime.
2: Yeah. Which like that that was one of the most frustrating missions I had was I finally got there, I got the boarding, my ship was on its way out, I got counterboarded and st- my by Success at this mission that had been driving me nuts was taken away by like whatever roll of the dice that was um and the convoy escorts like if you can't take convoys out in uh a couple seconds then
1: those ships are getting to the end no matter what yeah if you're not quick enough it's over for you
2: yeah and uh also just anything against the eldar at the start of the game feels impossible um, In the campaign mode, like obviously you can play as the Eldar in uh, the other modes, but in the campaign, like it just doesn't feel like the Imperials have the weaponry to knock those ships out before they zoom over and blow you up. So uh, there's, it feels distinctly unbalanced in ways that are frustrating just because some missions don't, aren't sit down and fight.
0: Yeah, not that, yeah, that's, that I think is an important detail. Like, you know, as we sort of just discussed with, with, um, with Total Warhammer, like it's cool if things don't necessarily feel balanced. Right. If, if what, if, if the thing you're looking for is basically an awesome moment where like your super weapon gets to do its thing and, like, yeah. wreck some, you know, <laughs> you know, wreck some red shirts, basically. Uh, and that's fine. It's part of the battle. That is pretty frustrating when it's also in the context of an already asymmetric victory condition, like Escort or something like that, where it's like, wait, so, like, that guy can just nuke the thing I'm supposed to be protecting and, like, there's there's jack I can do about it? Yeah, that's basically how the game works. Cool.
2: Okay. And it's also that, like, those Warhammer, the, or the total Warhammer things take place in a wider context. Like, I built up my mm-hmm. economy to get there. Like, yeah. I, I made these cannons. Yeah. I am paying for them way too much per turn. They better kick ass. Right. Whereas in this, uh, like, it's pretty much all the tactics with a slight strategic overlay that is basically an excuse to let you choose so- which, which missions and whatever you're doing.
0: I'm going to say, though, I actually kind of liked the escort missions uh, in part because they felt so totally like Blood Bowl or Frozen Cortex to me, where it was like, <laughs> like basically, I sort of enjoyed the the task of, like, um, as, an, as, as the escorter, uh, figuring out, like, how to skirmish and then get your transports sort of through the defense line and then burning hard for space. The, the problem does come, like... If those ships haven't had to like if those ships are able to make it through your sort of screen, boy, they real they are really tough to run down. Especially if they like get they hang on to their um their their boost. Uh so so a key a key part of this game is that every ship has the ability to like execute emergency maneuvers. And basically you have a limited amount of like afterburner fuel or whatever. Um but it allows you to do things like sort of spin your ship like a top or just speed it way the hell up and, and have it run like hell. Um, and
2: And, and these are different per faction. Yeah. Like the orcs just have the The ram speed. Yeah. Whereas the big red button. Yeah. And the, uh, the Eldar can like swoop around in cool ways. And the, um, Imperium and chaos get like these very precise things, but they don't have a huge amount of speed. So that's a, that's a really neat kind of distinction that, you know, This is what we're getting now that every game was Warhammer. So cool, good job.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, and, and like, but so just in that context though, like if those transports get through the screen and they've got their boost, like they're just like you just turn it on and just go. You just run to the end of the map, and it's 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 pretty hard, not impossible. They're not super fast ships. Uh, but it's 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 kind of tough to run them down and and destroy them uh, unless you're the orcs and you know if the if you're the orcs I guess if, man if you can land that ram um, which which is surprisingly uh, not not as hard to do as you might think uh, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's not know, it, it feels like it should be hard but it, it turns out not to be uh, it, it's it's pretty easy to be like I want to go hit that guy and and the game's like. Yeah, sounds good. Let's hit him, uh, which is the way it should be. Uh, but yeah, so so that that I I kind of liked those missions. Um, man, like boarding missions, like infiltrate this, capture that, like ugh, ugh.
2: Yeah, no, I I very yeah, much uh, disliked uh, them. Yeah,
1: I loved the escort the missions
2: are fine. Um, but the the like space station attacks, and I think my favorite one was like the planetary bombardment where you're having to move your ships two specific points in the middle of a big-ass cruiser battle, like, those are those are probably the best. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Uh, those three-minute data assassination things with their load times and so on. Yes, yeah, so I didn't play the Eldar awesome. at all.
0: Um, so, like you said, like, so the Eldar, like, have, oh, like, have weirdo maneuvers with their with their sort of boost ability.
1: Well, uh, you so played like, against so like,
0: them, right? No, I didn't get that far.
1: Oh, okay. The, the Eldar are funny because, uh, their ships don't have shields, um, they, I don't know. They don't believe in shields. It's against their complicated religion. Uh, I, I got nothing there. Um, they have hollow fields instead, which are just a, a percent chance to have your enemies attack miss if you have been moving fast enough. So um, as Eldar ships speed up, slow down, or stop, their little yellow hollow field bar fills. Um, and so the trick with the Eldar is that they can never stop moving or they lose all of their defenses almost instantaneously. Uh, It's really a fascinating mechanic. Um, They also they also turn their ships are so fast and they turn quickly anyways. They don't have the uh, the same boost mechanic as the other factions do. They don't have that sort of rapid turn or a boost. They just have one button that makes everything you do faster. Uh, Every order you give them button, yeah, and it's it's much better than everyone else's too because it's. uh, it's just like a 20 second it's cool down. yeah it's what they got um they sadly did not have their cool mechanic from the tabletop game which would be very hard to execute here and it's it's a little disappointing to me because their ships have the solar sails right um mm-hmm. that's sort of their concept and in the in the tabletop game there was always a sunward side of the table and you moved faster or slower depending on your sails's orientation towards that that side of the table um That maybe would have been too complicated a mechanic for a video game, but it's very sad that 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 sort of complication is not here. I'm not sure it would have been that complicated, but
0: I mean, if if people can manage Windage and a bunch of other games, uh, I feel like it could have done it here.
2: Uh, They're a massive pain in the ass to fight against as the Imperium. It's just just a disaster. I don't know.
0: The missions are hard, man, and they take me... like Every failed attempt means like 30 minutes at least because I basically play every battle like on slow speed. Like you you can do the space bar and go to tactical mode and everything sort of slows down. And that's how I basically play most of the battles once the shooting starts is like cuz if I play it at full speed, like things get real wrong real fast.
2: Yeah, I think that might just be because the start of the game feels a lot tougher for all the reasons we've described because I almost never use that anymore. I I played a I played a mission before we did this show
1: and I totally forgot that existed. <laughs> <laughs> and I won easily. Yeah, I think once you get into sort of the cruisers plus stages of the game, you stop needing to desperately use that slow-mo all the time.
0: Yeah, because I'm constantly like, oh man, that guy's about to get hammered by torpedoes, hit the burst, and like, or I desperately need to land a torpedo shot and etc. Um, you know, for for all that, like for all the issues with the tactical game, um, I'm I'm still like having fun with it. Because uh, I do think, like, the, the challenges it places, like, in terms of maneuvering your fleet is exciting. And, again, like, and this is the, this, this is the strength of, of all things 40K, I guess. Like, it turns out, basically, if you make a game where, like, gothic cathedrals are flying through space, like, beating the shit out of each other, I'm kind of on board with that like just in print uh, just as a matter of principle yeah and so like even if i'm like i'm not entirely sure like perfect example like i'm not always sure exactly like what this boarding party is is accomplishing but boy i like watching those um those assault pods uh get blasted from one ship into the side of another yes um like that stuff just doesn't doesn't get old for me Um, or, or ripping a ship to shreds just as it is beginning to open, uh, open like gateway into the warp, right? Like it just, it, it, it all feels good and, and right and, and deliciously 40 K. So I'm having, I'm having fun with that layer. What really intrigues me here is that it's also got this really detailed uh, sort of so a semi-open-ended campaign, uh, plus a a pretty decent like fleet management RPG uh, angle that that's happening alongside of it. Uh, Rowan, you said you sort of liked everything around the the core game. So, I mean, like, what what was what was the context around these battles doing for you?
2: I mean, this they they went all out with the hyper nihilist mac, masculine warhammer aesthetic and you've got these men with voices like eight pitches below normal bellowing orders throughout every battle and um this big bombastic soundtrack and all these things that you know it's it fits a game as you said where these there are literal gothic cathedrals in space that shoot at each other um it's so it's got the, the and the graphics we've talked about like how good the game sort of feels to sit and watch and play the campaign mode i'm like as a sort of similar thing where there are a bunch of decisions to make that i don't really understand what those decisions are about like you go and defend a planet in order to save its factories or whatever but what those factories do is uh pretty minor or vague or both um they yeah
0: so i think i think in the aggregate they do have an impact right because yeah. but it's, it's all a matter of bonuses right so if things begin to spiral away from you you will start to notice the sort of dings against your uh, against your fleet or the score you get at the end or or, or any number of things but yeah i think from it, like measuring the impact of like what did losing like i lost that battle to defend that system from separatists what does that mean it's hard to parse
2: yeah um the upgrading ships, like I said, I feel like I can get my ships to do different things, even when they are the same classes. Uh, like, that's cool, but I want to like be able to set my ship's automation within the tactical combat. So when I make the ship be the like long-range thing, I want it to automatically, every game, save my, this is my 9K ship. Uh, or my my nine-click ship, that's how far it is. I have a yeah. six-click ship. I have a three-click ship. They're not going to run into each other, but like it doesn't actually do that, and so there's a lot more micromanagement than I want in the game. But like the idea of being able to do that with my ships is there. It's just connecting it to the tactics in the way that I want. Not so much. Um, some of the ship upgrades, I think, are also kind of ridiculous. Like There's one that is... Uh, about um making your ship be able to get out of the warp easier but you're only actually going into the warp if you lose a battle so right my goal is to not lose battles <laughs> like not to... so i
1: think i'll take improved critical hits instead
2: yeah right um, yeah and just some of these also feel like they're like adding 0.1 time to to or adding 0.1 more healing per second like i don't know how much healing per second i'm getting what is that what is that percentage is that a 10 percent buff is that a 50 percent buff i don't know but uh it's cool that i can improve my healing healing is good or my repairs yeah. um so yeah there's a, there's a lot of things in there like that that are you know it just it all ties together with the the tactical section where i'm not exactly sure what's happening but i have some cool choices
1: i i agree with you and i think a lot of the choices are cool i just think it's unfortunate that as the game stands now some of them are simply better than others um yeah much since much of the game ends up being about pointing your torpedoes in the right direction um since that is sort of a skill shot as it were the other abilities like that seem to be the the strongest the the stasis bombs for just sort of okay i'm gonna take those three enemy ships out of the fight for a while um the things that reduce enemies shields uh, to zero instantly Um, those bits. I think it's unfortunate that those are so much more immediately useful than some of the interesting things like, Oh, I'm going to have this ship tank. Right. Um, Unfortunately, like making that a reality requires, I don't know, three or four upgrades. Whereas making a ship just really effective at killing other ships requires two.
2: Um. And like when you get to the point where you have a ship that can tank, it's probably tanking anyway. So sure, I don't know. yeah, it's uh, that's the taunt option seems like a cool thing that like that's something that's there. I just don't know why I would use it instead of the goddamn Nova Cannon that can blast ships to hell from across the map.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Though as a player of the tabletop game, um, who for years complained about over overpowered nova cannons i am pleased that they are totally stupid awesome in this as well yeah um
2: the the nova cannon has is just like the sort of ultimate upgrade it feels like for a ship and uh, it kind of semi-randomly picks a target and just drops a giant bomb in the middle and that's cool to watch but it doesn't really feel like it doesn't it doesn't feel like it even connects with the rest of the game. It's about these like slow tactical battles and figuring out the sort of right positioning and right, uh, right way to target the enemy's weakest right. spots at the most important
1: points. And there's also a cannon of just like, we'll nuke whatever, <laughs> just fuck them right up. Yeah. And it's weird to play as yeah. the Eldar for that same reason. Your strongest weapon is an activated ability that just shoots in a straight line, wherever your ship is pointing. Um, and that doesn't feel like the same. The, the game feels like you're, you're microing your macro strategy at any given time. And then every once in a while, it yeah. asks you to zoom into this very immediate control level and use an activated ability very skillfully. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the biggest disconnect in the, the core gameplay, I think. There's a confusion
2: between micro and macro management that I never really felt the game resolved
0: yeah i um I found it telling that in general, I was starting to like i was starting to avoid fussy of uh, like fussy ability upgrades and stuff like that like okay, I could like get more ships with like missile like torpedo batteries or stuff like that, but really, I think I just want more guns out there yeah. I just want more d p s that I don't have to think about because it turns out that's proving to be more efficient for me. Uh so I really only want one ship in there that I need to be like microwing and doing like heavy burst damage with and then everyone else just, you know, shoot them a lot. That's basically that's yeah. that's basically my strategy but it was like it definitely felt like I was maybe the way the game works was kind of discouraging me from pursuing those interesting options that, that you were just talking about, right? That that it was like, well, I could I could pursue this this track for this kind of ship, but maybe more guns, maybe <laughs> maybe just have, have you considered just more shooting? Okay, that works. I want twelve uh, macro cannons instead of yeah. six. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which which I think can be a little bit of an issue. Um, and I think it doesn't help. Like, so I'm going very slowly through this campaign because a, am for like, I I feel like I'm so bad at it that when I'm losing, I'm just like, I'm just a crap admiral. I need to, I clearly need to learn something here and and do this over. But the other thing is when you lose a mission, uh, everything just goes to absolute hell in a handbasket on the campaign map. Uh, it's like, well, you 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 lost that planet, and and now like, oh, like four more teetering. Okay, uh, that's that doesn't seem that, that seems like a that seems like a tough outcome. And if I lose if I lose those those, uh, then we're gonna have a we're gonna have a real snow snowball here. Uh, so I end up sort of replaying a lot of battles, which is something I'm generally against. Right, usually I like to sort of iron. And you have the option to Iron Man uh, this campaign, but it feels like one failure isn't necessarily like crazy punishing, but like if a couple things go badly for you, it feels like the campaign begins to get away from you very quickly. Uh, because like, so like there's, there's a few like strategic layer elements that seem to, uh, put real pressure on you. So like if, uh, one planet breaks away, more will start to break away. If, uh the orcs get a victory or two under their belt there's going to be a lot more orc attacks uh stuff like that and so kind of felt to me like it was very easy for the campaign to start to feel like it was complete like you were totally like screwed right. uh and i'm uh, so that's sort of discouraging me from sort of eating my losses even though I, it feels like the tactical game is balanced to basically generate like you're not going to win every battle. You're, you're, you're not the superhero fleet you're supposed to lose sometimes. Uh, and that's why there's all these retreat mechanics about getting your valuable ships out of the fray uh, before they're lost, which is cool. But then on that strategic layer, it feels like, well, you've lost two battles in a row and screw you. That like I think, You're having a tough time
1: in this campaign, huh? How about we make it a lot harder? Absolutely. Yeah, it's... I would liken it to if when you started playing XCOM, um, you started with the entire world, and everyone was loyal, and you had cool a cool base with all the neat things in it, um, and then each time you lost a mission, you lost a bunch of your cool stuff. I sort of get the impression that this is
2: like what they're going for with the whole thing. It's like everything is collapsing and you have to pick out just the very few things that are necessary for you to survive this total collapse of everything. Um, But it's, it gets hard to tell what's actually a collapse that's too bad to deal with versus something that's manageable. Like there's this also this sort of, um, fantasy bullshit thing where a guy's off collecting artifacts to continue his invasion and you can either stop him from getting the artifacts or he can get the artifacts and that makes something happen it's like it's not the end of the world if he gets the things that the videos are saying it's the end of the world if he gets oh is this abaddon yeah that's the the chaos. Rowan, he's
0: not just some guy. He's God. Okay. This is a forty K podcast. So get get up this week. Look, I'm gonna get you a reading list. Uh the Horus oh Heresy books. And I think I, I think you're gonna learn a few things about Abaddon the that Despoiler that'll that'll really bring this this game to life and really make you understand what happens if he gets those artifacts. I yeah,
2: but but, but nothing true. happens when he gets those artifacts. <laughs> like, nothing happens. It says well, something like this might make things worse. Okay things are already pretty bad i'm not sure what's worse
1: <laughs> i'm um, not sure what to tell you buddy
2: the the orcs <laughs> <That> is... <laughs> are already invading They're, half my planets are already under chaos there are elven pirates who are uh, supposedly like against chaos but they like blowing me up too and they have you know 20 planets as well i'm not sure what him getting the hand of Gobblegook is going to do to me
0: It is a problem with the 40k universe that when everything is always like in extremis, uh, it can be hard to bring across like what is like what is normal uh, shit hitting the fan and what is like, no, but seriously, this is this is bad. This is grade A. Fake yeah. shit. Okay. No, like for for real, like you should you should probably do something about that. Like that planet that got obliterated, that was that was fine. Like that's just that's just a day at the office. Don't <laughs> even think about it. Uh but no, but
2: seriously, this uh this Eldar fleet, that's serious, you gotta deal with that. Like, like yeah, it's like the game starts with your main character getting tortured by the good guys in order to make sure he's telling the truth. God, and...
0: <laughs> these cutscenes are so good. Oh my god, I love them. They remind me of the thief yes. cutscenes, the original yes. thief cutscenes um they're so just they're they like they're like warhammer codices come to life but with actually slightly better or better better art style <laughs> um it like everything looks so cool and the the, the the sort of scenes are so evocative and and yeah just the the 40k flavor like yes the, the literal first scene is like is this guy worthy of this promotion we should probably turn the Inquisition loose on his psyche for a few days uh before we before we give him the job.
2: And then that guy's your friend through the campaign.
0: Like Yeah. Uh, that's true. I, he's yeah. your buddy. And he's like, you understand why I do that. And your guy's like, yeah, man, I love the Emperor. <laughs> and that's the last and, the, and that's the last they spoke of it. They're besties for the rest of the campaign.
1: It is funny to me that uh the guy the the Inquisitor, the guy who's supposed to be the Soulless machine of justice is actually the the person who never questions you and always has your back. <laughs> I mean, he tortured you, man. He knows the truth. That uh, that's fair. I guess. I guess you, that you, guys, you go through that with somebody, and and it really means something. You guys are buddies now. Um, yeah. So, I uh, I tried
2: to read the Warhammer Fantasy like wiki of what happens in the chaos invasion in that and it seemed like there were like six different chaos invasions and i found a timeline of one that just stopped halfway through and like that that was too much for me i can't do the 40k timeline as well
1: well the 40k (laughs) timeline is a beautifully beautifully ridiculous mess because they have like their millennium what things happen in um and then they just kind of like throw a dart at a timeline at a, on a wall and choose like okay that's when this summer's event is going to happen it happens around it i don't know does it really matter i don't think so it's it's comforting that the the
0: the imperium of man is always collapsing and yet always full of limitless strength uh the tyranids are always about to snuff out all life in the galaxy but haven't quite gotten around to it uh chaos is always in the in the in the eye of chaos about to burst forth and uh and and unleash uh unleash hell and the um, orcs it's, are it's, it's comforting yes that's, god that's a weird touch that's a, that's a lovely touch <laughs> yeah. um but so the so the other thing is sort of driving this this campaign dynamic and uh, i'm curious like uh, so because I am playing very carefully, it, it, it tends to work out that I've got my plot mission to deal with, and then I've got like one like crisis to deal with. But if I lose battle, suddenly there's a bunch of crises, uh, but I still only have a couple fleet deployments, and I can't send guys to deal with those those different crises. Uh, I'm curious how the campaign evolves, especially if you do sort of eat more losses. Like, it feels like once it starts to get away from you, it feels like you do not have the ability to deploy fleets to regain much lost ground. And that concerns me a little bit. But I'm, I'm curious from your guys' perspective how that has played
2: out. The sort of ridiculous thing is that if you lose a plot mission, the usual punishment is you lose your second deployment. So sorry yes. you're just you're just screwed you can't do anything here um good god but uh eventually it's sort of like forever no just it, it for comes back after out. yeah okay
0: just, okay <laughs> it's like okay for the rest of this game you get to send a fleet
2: one place i'm
0: like that doesn't that doesn't seem
2: right um that it sort of falls into place when you get the uh exterminatus is that the right thing Where they, where they threaten mm-hmm. to blow up planets and it's like all right if you don't take this planet back right now we're blowing it up forever that gives you a a pretty strong oh, motivator to uh to to deal with whatever mission is there um so i i think that that sort of makes the campaign kind of make sense because exploding planets
1: i think so as well yeah um the truth is i don't think the campaign is the best way to learn to play the game um I gave up on it after a little while. I think I played the first like three story missions and I did what you did, Rob. I just started them over and over and over until I could beat them. And I was like, this is, this isn't fun. Not fun. I don't want to do this. I want to go play with battleships. And so I ended up doing the, the scenarios, um, the chain of connected, uh, randomly generated missions. And that's when I started having fun. When I. Didn't have consequences and I could be like, oh, I lost that one. Let's see what I can do. Let's see if I can salvage the next one. Um, And that helped me actually learn how to play the thing.
2: Yeah, we should mention there's a really neat thing where like only the Empire gets a or the Imperium gets a like full on campaign with a map and everything, but everybody else they have a thing where it's like a pseudo campaign where it generates a random mission for you and you do it and then you get more ships and your ships get more experience and then you do the next one and it's pretty much the same as the campaign with slightly less bombastic voiceover and uh, you know that's that's a reasonably effective way to
1: get into your orcs. It also gives you a reason to actually play, like, a skirmish against the AI, right? It's just going to spit skirmishes at you over and over, um, which I yeah. genuinely liked. If you also just want to do, like, a giant battle without
2: having to, um, like, develop your ships all the way to get to the battleships and stuff, you can just say, no, I'm not doing my my pre-made campaign. I just want to play around with some battleships for a bit. So. That's, that's, true. that's
1: all there. That's neat. Though I have to say, I think my my pet peeve, the thing I the thing I dislike the most about the game was that it just seems small in the end. Uh you can't have two battleships in a fleet for the most part, ever. Or that's yeah. your whole fleet. Um and that's different from the board game? It is. Uh I mean, so so the, the the like the exterminatus scenarios in the uh the primary um game are scenarios where you would end up having two battleships um in a fleet uh they would be i i guess to put it in the exact point scale of this game which is remarkably faithful to the tabletop uh they'd be 1000 to 2000 point battles um you'd have a couple battleships four or five cruisers something in between and a a whole swarm of escorts um i i also dislike the choice to make escorts single ships in this uh they were in the tabletop at least um squadrons so you'd get a cobra class destroyer and you'd get four of them they'd all come in a little swarm together um and that is a little disappointing and i think it does make the escorts seem pointless at times though they're vital to the early game uh you you have to like field a light cruiser and four escorts to win some of those early missions just otherwise you just don't have enough points of damage that you can take on the on the field
2: that's kind of disappointing yeah because like when like i said somebody said this is like babylon 5 combat and like the best things the best space battles in babylon 5 were these giant armada fights where like you have the admiral making sweeping decisions about this group needs to focus on that instead of you know micromanaging a single ship and it feels like like i said this game is kind of mixed between those two things and if it had Scaled better than I might have been a little happier with it in the end.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Rowan, are you sure that's what Babylon 5 is like? Because I don't remember many fleet battles in Babylon 5. I just remember a lot of people just walking around in, in sort of weak make- makeup. Talking about possible fights that might happen. No, no, you're
2: goes. getting it confused with Battlestar Galactica, which only had the budget oh, to dude. do like two fleet battles across its entire run, and then it said like 36 hours later and uh <laughs> pretended that a fight had happened that was really cool. The makeup was probably wow. a little better there though. It was definitely better. So
0: I mean so, where, like, where have you, like, so we've, we've, we've loved a lot of criticisms at, at this game, but I, I think for me, like, it ultimately, to me, feels like it sort of does what is, what it says on the, on, on the tin, right? Like, it, 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 it gives me a, a pretty decent, uh, Fleet Combat game, um, and actually one of the better, like, Age of Sail games that i played <laughs> recently, uh, despite having nothing to do with the Age of Sail, um, so, I mean, like, I'm having, I'm having fun with it, although I'm, I'm, I'm definitely grinding that campaign a little bit more than I would like and uh, sort of struggling to, the way, I think the way I'd put it is this, um, I keep playing it because I can see a game I really like in there. Often I'm discouraged because it feels like I'm not playing that game, and I think it's my fault. But having talked to you guys, I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, that's that's sort of how I felt. It's like, is it me that I'm not getting this? And to some extent, it is. In that, like, I'm not going on the forums and reading exactly which mathematical things are going to make my ships do the best. I'm not. I'm not like fully committing to this game, but. Like it's a game that you pretty much have to decide this is the game I really want to love for the next several months and go and read all these things extraneously in order to grasp that, otherwise it's just here's a bunch of shiny cool stuff happening, and that's fine, like I liked that, I
1: didn't love it, but uh yeah, I think I certainly agree with you um it is pretty, and I do keep playing it because I am sure every time I play it and it is satisfying that I can play this game for 20 minutes and play two to three battles and have fun. They nailed very precisely the amount of time it should take for these fleet engagements to happen. Um, Every time I do play, I have at least one moment where I'm like, that was really cool. Or I feel like I executed a good plan. Well, um, and those moments are, I think what you look for, especially in an RTS. Um, but I am dealing with some stuff I don't like every time I engage with it. So it's basically the overwatch of uh, fleet combat. Oh, shit. Wow. That was a harsh <laughs> <Wow>. burn. Okay.
0: <laughs> We're not. Like, like this, is the, this, is, this is a strategy show. We can't, we can't even begin to parse <laughs> that remark.
2: And just in terms uh, of th- these are very fast matches. You can play for 20 minutes or you can play for two hours. Um, and some cool stuff is going to happen.
1: Yeah. And I like that. That's as deep as that It is satisfying that a cool thing will happen each time I play this. All right,
0: cool. So that will do it for our discussion of Battlefleet Gothic Armada, which you can get on Steam right now for $40. Uh, We'll be back next week with another episode of Three Moves Ahead. Uh, As always, this episode was produced by Michael Hermes and is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. This topic was chosen by our Patreon backers. Uh, who voted Battlefleet Gothic Armada as as the topic to uh, close out this month? And I promise, I swear to God, I'm so sorry, but no, we're totally gonna get that endless legend show done for you guys real soon. As soon as somebody besides me plays it, <laughs> as soon as
2: they <laughs> stop releasing strategy games for a couple weeks.
0: Yeah, this is it, it. It like I could not have picked a worst year to have a, a Let's revisit the game we really like and enjoy discussing because this is proving to be impossible
1: at the rate that important strategy games are are, are coming out. Well, uh, you got to be careful because I mean, we're talking about Ninja's Legend, the the winter's on its way, so just <laughs> don't get frozen out. Yeah, exactly.
0: Because not much will happen if that. <laughs> <laughs> Your army will move a little slower, and your economy <laughs> will slow down, but you'll be fine. Uh, anyway, uh, so we, we will hopefully have that topic for you next week, uh, even if I have to hold a hold a gun on a few people to make it happen. Uh, but until then, uh, for Jonathan Bolding and Rowan Kaiser, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight. night.
2: Good night, everyone. Good night. It's the swoop button. It goes woof, swoof.